kids, the youngest of the four is three years old. His name's Anthony, Paul Anthony Erminger IV. That's a big name. He goes by Anthony, and we're in that really fun stage where, like, he looks at me through, like, the superhero lenses. Like, he, he, he just thinks I can do anything, and he loves to be around. And I've actually got a picture, because when I'm working on stuff, it's just, like, ingrained in him. Can we throw that picture up of Anthony? Did it make it in there? Yeah, there it is. Um, I, I got some old sea dews that I was fixing up. They weren't running. I had no clue what was wrong with them. I was just like, ah, this will be fun to try to figure out. And so hours spent trying to learn how the sea dew works. And he just wants to sit there and hand me tools and see what I'm doing. And he just has this little idea in his head that his dad can, can just fix any. And I know that he has that idea because he was playing over at some of our friend's house and, and something broke. And he said, oh, it's okay. My dad can fix anything. I wish, buddy. Like, I, I, I wish that, that that's how it worked, but that's not, I can't fix everything. And in fact, even with the CDs, man, it, it was such a struggle because it's like I looked at it and, and I thought this is what was, what was wrong, but that's not what was wrong. And so I spent a bunch of time and parts buying and fixing something that wasn't even the problem, and then I had to move on to the next one. And I mean, that's the most frustrating thing when you're trying to fix something, but you don't really know what is causing the issue. You're just trying random things. And I think that we've often felt like in our life, there is something off, and maybe we haven't been able to recognize it this much, but we felt it where it's like something's off, and so maybe if I do some Amazon therapy by myself, I'll feel better. Or, or maybe if I go have a snack, then I'll feel better. Or if I have a drink, I'll feel better. Or if I, I bring her home, I'll feel better. And now I'm in a Shawn Mendes song. And, but if I do something, if I add something, then I'll feel better. And, and we try all these solutions that really aren't getting at the heart of the issue. We've tried to fix our marriage problems with lots of things that avoids the real issue of what's going on. We've tried to fix our heart problems with all kinds of substances and distractions. But the question becomes, okay, if we recognize that we're doing things that won't really fix the problem, I think the question becomes, are we, are we willing to see the problem? Like, 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 would we really want to know, like, what is at the heart issue that's driving me towards all of these destructive things that I know don't belong in my life, but I do them because I just need something to get right? I need some control. Would you want to know what's at the heart of the issues? And that, that question really kind of comes into play with what we're looking at today. We're starting a new series, and if you're interested in reading a book, our series is going to go along with Dangerous Prayers by Craig Grishel. There's a link up on our Facebook right now, or you can search Amazon or wherever you like to buy books, and you can pick it up. It's going to be a great read, and we're going to spend the next three weeks going through three different Dangerous Prayers. And the first one is found in Psalm 139, and it's David's Prayer. And we say dangerous prayers because it's not just prayer, because we pray a lot of things and they're just, they're so safe. I mean, Lord, you know, give me a good night's rest. That's about as safe as a prayer you can get. God, protect us while we travel. That's safe in praying for safety. God, would you bless this double cheeseburger with bacon and fried onions and a fried egg with a deep fried avocado to my body? That's a pretty safe prayer. It doesn't make your food any safer, but it's a pretty safe prayer. It's not going to mess with your life. It's not going to mess with your relationships. It's not going to mess with your future. It's not going to mess with your heart. But there are some prayers that if you genuinely seek after God with this kind of prayer, 
he's going to begin to show you something and give you an opportunity to change something that is going to have consequences on the rest of your life. And as we've all known, anyone who's walked through a struggle, we all know that the process of getting it right may not be comfortable, but once we've walked through it, we are so glad we took those steps. And this is one of those things. It's the, he begins to say, and give God the invitation, and we'll put this up on the screen behind me from Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. And, and, and David writes out, in the midst of trouble and difficulty, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, in the midst of difficulty, it's often easy to just to blame and say, oh, these other people are being crazy. God, just take care of them. And sometimes we see those prayers, but this prayer actually reaches out to something that can really cause success and step forwards in our life. Rather than saying, okay, God, deal with the external, it says, God, deal with the internal. Like, if I can be successful with you, I know that I won't fail. And so, God, search my heart, and I just have to answer the question that I ask myself as I read this. Why do we need to invite God to search our heart? Because he knows us. I mean, Scripture says he knows every hair that's on our head. He knew us while we were being formed in our mother's womb. I mean, he, he is omnipresent. He's omniscient. Like, he knows everything. He knows what's happening within your body at the cellular level. He could talk to you about what your DNA and RNA is currently doing within each cell of your body. Like, he already knows you. You don't have to invite him to come figure you out. You are fully known. So this isn't saying, God, would you see? This is really saying, God, would you help me see? The invitation of asking God to search you and know you, I mean, it's a poetic way to write it, but really the heart of what he's saying is, God, would you, would you look through me and tell me what you see? Would you look into my heart and if there's something there that I'm not seeing, would you show it to me? Because this is what I know from experience and from scripture, is that when we from our own heart try to look over our life, we tend to always get an A plus. It's like, given the circumstances, buddy, you're doing great. And as Jeremiah 17, 9 describes it, it says the human heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? I mean, Scripture paints a very clear picture of the condition of our heart. And so the reality is that when we try to measure ourselves, just, uh, you know, how am I doing? I'm just going to look for my own heart. Well, you know, I, I know you freaked out the other day, but they deserved it. And I know that, you know, you, you've been just hoarding all of your resources for yourself and you haven't been generous to anyone else. But you know what? You deserve that too. And sure, maybe you've been drinking a little bit. But, but, but I understand why with all the pressure. Like our heart can excuse a whole lot of things. And there's been so many times in the 16 years that I've been in ministry where someone's come to me for counsel when really what they were looking for me to just tell them what they wanted to hear. Because in their heart, they had already decided this is what the situation is. And when I tell them, well, this is what the situation appears to be, then they, their response is, well, you're just, a, you're just, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't understand my perspective. Well, your heart will, will jade your perspective in a big way. And so we can't measure ourselves, measure our actions based on what our heart leans us towards. We have to measure ourselves, measure our actions based on what scripture describes. Because the parameters become very clear. And, you know, the easy one for me to pick on, because this was such a battle in my own life that is just so deeply ingrained in my heart, is, you know, I'll go to my words. Like, my words are one of those things that, that it's very measurable. 
Like, it doesn't matter what the external pressures are. What Ephesians 4.29 tells us is, do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Like, like there's a very clear description. Like, like there will be judged for every idle word, every word that does not go out and accomplish a beneficial purpose that, that we're going to be judged for. Like, it's very specific. And my heart will make all kinds of excuses of why I could react like that of why I can raise my voice, of why I can be angry, of why I can respond with pride, or why I can be egotistical in how I speak. My, my own heart will, will, will give permission, but scripture's always very clear, and God's spirit is always very clear. And so when we give the invitation to God, come and search me, it's not that he doesn't already know that he, because he does, it's that you don't know yet. And, and it's that your heart has allowed you to see your life through a certain way where God would say those aren't the healthy behaviors that, they think, that you think they are. I know that you've seen it like this for a long time, but this is how I need you to see it. The, the invitation for God to search our heart, and, and this is the, the first point, the first thing that I want you to consider, and this is really the general theme of today, and you can put this on the screen behind me. Number one, search my heart. Of the things that I want to encourage you to pray this week, uh, of things that are a dangerous prayer that's going to potentially upset some of how you've been doing things, it starts with this place of search my heart. Because, you know, for, for so long, we, we've given ourselves the excuse, you know, you tried, um, you, 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 you've, you've done enough, you, you don't eat too much, you, you don't drink too much. Like, we've given, given ourselves these excuses, and rather than just, you know, going to court and testifying for ourselves, let's let God speak to us a little bit about it. And just give him the invitation. Because it gets back to the question that we started this section with. Is do you want to know? Like if there's something that's unhealthy there, do you want to know? If there's something that, that at the bottom is driving you towards destructive behaviors or things that are pushing you in the opposite direction of your goals, do you want to know why? And if you do, and if you want to get healthy, I'd encourage you, one of the best places to start is beginning to ask God, will you show me why I get angry so easily. Will you search my heart? Because you might not like what you find. It might lead you towards something you're afraid to do, and I'm just gonna pause here for a minute, and you've heard me say, if you've been around Gulfside for a while, there, there's no shame in counseling. There's no shame in, if you're physically out of weight going to a gym, there's no shame if emotionally there's things going on that you need someone's help, you need a trainer for, talk to a counselor. If this kind of a prayer brings out things that you've buried and repressed from your childhood because of the pain and the heartache that was there, don't be afraid to get help. Because the worst thing that we can do is begin to discover these things and then do nothing with them. And the fact is, I know and I've, I've experienced it as we ask God to search our heart, that he will show us something that requires action. And so as we, we search them, there, there's one thing that's there in, you know, our life, and I feel like it's just so high. It, it, it identifies in this, you know, know my anxious thoughts. Scripture d does not sugarcoat and does not create the, this mask that is so popular in our world today that Christians should just have it all together. I mean, as we read this, and David's praying out, he's, he says, you know, search me, O God. And, and he says, know my anxious thoughts. Like, there's no covering of, of them not being there. It's know them and show them to me. Anxiety is part of life that we have to figure out because what anxiety does, I believe that it shows us areas where we're not trusting God very well. 
You know, I'm anxious about my kids because I don't trust that God's going to do what he's promised as I raise them the way that I'm, that I'm supposed to. I, I don't trust God with, with my money usually because I'm not doing the things with my money that he tells me to do. I, I don't trust God with my marriage and my relationship usually because there's things in my life that I know I should be doing in it. And, and it's like they, they go together in this. This anxiety that we feel, it's always connected to, to this lack of trust in God. And, and I, I want to kind of get to this. So number two, the second part of the message today is just, um, God, know my anxious thoughts. This week as we seek after him and God, we, we say, search my heart, God. Whatever is in my heart, I want you to show it to me. And then know my anxious thoughts. And I'm not just talking about the, the things that we're afraid of, like if you've ever gotten in your car and started driving and, and became fully convinced that someone's sitting behind you in your car, like that's not what I'm talking about. Like some of you guys I know, you've talked to the person that you're pretty sure was there. Like if you touch me, I will drive us right off a bridge. I will kill us, don't touch me. Like there's nothing there. I'm not talking about those fears. I'm not talking about the snakes or the cockroaches that fly at night. Like I'm not talking about those fears. I'm talking about like the, the things that you wake up because you're worrying about them at night. Like, is this job gonna stick around? Like, is my kid gonna be, like I'm talking about those anxious things that, that they're real, like they're, they're things that are important. But they're also things that we should trust into his hands. Because those anxieties that we feel as a Christian, they should drive you towards Christ. They, they, they point you towards a need that is fulfilled by Christ. Because we know ideally in our head and in our heart that, that we should be able to say, God, even if this job got stripped away, I know that you would provide. God, even if anything got taken away, I know that you, you would get me through. There should be part of us that, that knows that. And it's not that we don't walk through difficult things at times, because I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, just, you know, this last year, I, I, my father passed away, and then this last, um, almost a week and a half ago, my grandfather passed away. Like, I'm not up here to pretend like life is just always easy and rosy colored. But what I want to help drive you towards is that anxiety shouldn't just be present in your life to live and torture you. Anxiety, as God shows you, you know, this is something you're anxious about. That is a highlighted sign of trust this into my hands. Testify about this within your family. You know, let them know God is gonna be with us no matter what happens through this. He is not a type of father who leaves his children. He is faithful always. And so anxiety begins to be a place where you testify and, and you, you make it clear that I trust God in this area. And, and as he shows you anxieties that you have, that's what we want to begin to pray through and say, you know what, God, God this is yours. And, and so th this is one of the quotes that I want you to have. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most, it reveals where we trust God the least. And this also is almost an indicator that in that area, it's like we think because of the fear that we have, we think that if we just do it right, we'll be able to control the situation. And it shows we're relying on our own strength. Like, like we're relying on like, this is only on my shoulders. It all comes down to me. And man, I, I'm one of the people, you know, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. Like we have responsibility in how we live our life. But there has to be this aspect of, I, I trust that as I do my part, God will always do his. 
And I don't ever want you to, to walk away from our church feeling like, you know, well, I'm, I'm trusting into God's hands, so I just don't have to do anything. Like, I'm trusting my kids into God's hands, so I'm just not going to do anything around the house anymore with them. Like, I have trusted them. Like, I'm not going to change the diapers. I'm not going to make them food. Like, like, they're just in God's hands because I am a faithful person. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, but it's true in other areas of your life, too. Like, you know, I'm trusting God with my, with my future marriage one day, but I'm dating like there is no God involved in my life. God, would you, I trust God with my future. God, I am trusting you with my marriage, but I'm gonna say whatever I want to my spouse, I don't care how they feel about it, because I gotta be honest. Well, you, you also have to be encouraging. You're responsible for your words. But like, do you see how, and I honestly believe, like, it, it played out this way. When I was in college, I was a camp counselor um, for a couple summers, which is a kind of a funny thing. You get to see another side of camps that, that's terrifying. Um, I, <laughs> I got assigned to, to adventure sports that I love, but I had never done before, and so I was re- responsible for taking elementary and middle school age kids rappelling off the side of a mountain. Never done it before. 45 minutes of training, felt a little too much. A little, I mean, not, not enough. Like, I mean, I, I needed more. Because as they showed me, okay, you tie onto this tree here, and you know the knot's right if it looks twirly. Is twirly a normal term for these things? Uh, like, and then you tie yourself into that rope, and you're going to have to lean out over the mountain, and it's going to kind of stretch out to where you're leaning over, and then the kid will be, their rope will be going through yours as well. So you're going to be feeling like you're getting pulled in both directions, and they're going to be off the side of the mountain. And I had 45 minutes of training for this, and I have someone's dearly loved child hanging off the mountain, and I don't even like heights. And so I'm trying to tell them not to be scared, but I'm scared. But I just go back, okay, you, you did what you were supposed to do. It's probably going to be okay. <laughs> and, and I tied the knots. I followed my training. And it felt like I had a rubber band because it's like as they went down, like it pulled me out a little bit over the edge, which totally freaked me out. But I just went back to, okay, every time I felt the anxiety, I was like, I did what I was trained to do. Like this was the right way to do it. And even though I felt anxiety, knowing that I was doing things right helped me get over the anxiety because I said, it's proven when you do it this way, things go the way they're supposed to. And no kids fell to their injuries or death. Like, I never fell off the mountain. Like, it all, like, surprise, I'm still alive. Like, everything went fine because I was doing what I was supposed to do. And the first day I was scared, the second day I was a little uncomfortable. By, by the end of summer, like I was showing the kids, I'd go off to the edge and I would like kind of jump out a little bit and let the rope pull me back in because I, I was so used to that if you do it the right way, the results go the way that they're supposed to. Look, in your life with the anxieties that you have, when you're living to God's standard, things will go the way they're supposed to. That's not to say that people won't make decisions that hurt you. It's not to, that's not to say that we won't, you know, gather around and celebrate the life of someone that we love's passing. But even in the midst of the most difficult things, if we've lived the way we're supposed to, we will sense God's comfort and presence through that. Like, he will never leave you on your own. And anxiety is real, and it's gripping. But one of the best comforts and ways you fight it is to say, I'm living the way I'm supposed to live. I'm doing the things that God has asked me to do. So I'm trusting the results in his hands. So God, know my anxious thoughts. 
And this prayer is designed to say, okay, God, where am I anxious about things? Where am I not trusting you enough? And I wouldn't be surprised if as you find these different areas of anxiety in your life, that God shows you, okay, you're anxious about this because you haven't been doing it my way. You're anxious about this because you know what I've said, but you haven't done it. I just want to encourage you, man. It always feels better when you're walking the way you're supposed to walk. It always feels better when, when we're doing the things that God has asked us to do. And so when we pray that, that prayer, God, know my anxious thoughts. Help me know my anxious thoughts. And we're walking in love and we see those things. We, we understand that, you know, perfect love, it casts out all fear. We understand we haven't been given a spirit of fear. Like we're not going to be controlled by these feelings and these fears of anxiety, but we're going to follow the instructions that our Heavenly Father has given us to move forward. And then the, the third part of, of the, the prayer is see if there is any offensive way in me. See if there's any offensive way in me. Now, we often hear this and we think of, okay, like, you know, when I became a Christian, I got rid of the big offensive ways. Like, I got the pentagram out of the house and I stopped sacrificing things to Baal and I stopped murdering people and I stopped committing adultery. Like, I, I got those things out. And, and so, the, the, well, you know what? There's other things, and we know that there's other, other behaviors that are in our life that, that as someone who's been walking with Christ for a while, they shouldn't be there anymore. And so just genuinely seeking after God and saying, if there's any offensive way in me, show me that so that I can begin to move it out. And there's so many different behaviors that I'm really going to just try to aim at some of the roots of this and actually get to some beliefs, because beliefs drive behaviors. Like beginning to ask God, are there any offensive beliefs that I have in my heart towards you? And okay, what does that look like? Well, have you assigned God a role in your life that's smaller than what he asks? But like, uh, we, we have a number of different police officers in here, SWAT team members. We have veterans that have served um, in, in armed forces within our congregation. And you guys know that, that if they were to walk to a, over to a commanding officer and be like, hey, would you be a doll and go fetch me a cup of coffee? Thanks. Heads would roll. Like, like if you spoke to someone who was above you in one of those organizations in that manner, like there would be issues, but for some reason, we have treated God with a contempt and made him smaller. And though he loves you dearly, and scripture refers to him as like a daddy father to you, he still is a great and holy God, and we have treated him as though he is smaller than he is. And I think that we have, we have sometimes lost that, and so just even starting... At the, God, is there any way of how my relationship is with you, my belief towards you, my thoughts towards you, have they been too small? Is there an offensive way that I've been thinking about you? And this is important because it drives our actions. It's easy to trample upon a weak and non-caring God when we're faced with, oh, you know, within my flesh, I want to do this thing. I know that it's wrong. But and you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, God's just this little thing. And because we saw him as being so small and weak, we, we've lost what scripture talks about as a reverence or a fear for the Lord. And it messes with our life and it brings in offensive behaviors. It's a belief that, that does that. Also, our belief towards ourself. Is there, is there an offensive belief that we have about ourself? You know, ha, have we said that our pleasure is so important that it doesn't matter what we do? Like, like have we started to believe and I know you wouldn't consciously do this, but as you recourse your life, have you believed that, you know, just my comfort satisfying my appetite is so important? It doesn't matter what it does to my body. It doesn't matter what it does to people around me. It doesn't matter how I use other people. What's really important is that I am satisfied. And, and have we believed something that's false about ourselves? 
Because that drives all kinds of offenses and sins towards God as well. And, and, and I want to drive at those underlying things because it plays out in so many different ways. If we have false beliefs about ourselves, and, and you know what? God loves you. God says that you're important. He says that you have value. He, he says that you matter. He says that you're one of his children. But the fact is, our life is supposed to be spent serving others. And, and Jesus said, if you want to be great, then, then be the servant to all. And if you've been elevating yourself, elevating yourself because you think you're the most important in the room, God might have something else to say to you about that. God, is there any offensive way in me and how I view myself? And then, of course, the extension is then other people. God, have I been looking at other people in an offensive way? Have I been looking at them as a, as a way to use their body, to use their talents, to use their time? Have I, have I been seeing people as tools rather than seeing them as your children? God, break my heart for the people in my city. Break my heart for the people that are in my family. Break my heart for the people that you've given me for this season. Because I've just been seeing them as noise and annoyances when you have said that they're my mission. They're my calling. Is there anything offensive about the way that I've seen the people that are around me? Now, the, these three prayers, that, that, this, you know, search me, that, that, this know my anxious thoughts, reveal to me any offenses, it would be pretty depressing if we got to the end of these three and we just said, just tell me this stuff so that I can feel terrible about myself. It's not the goal. And, and band, if you guys will make your way out, I'm going to begin to wrap this up in just a minute. If we landed at that point where we said, just tell me these things, I mean, it would be, we'd be fooling ourselves as though we had taken some sort of spiritual action. Guilt is not a spiritual action. Conviction is beneficial because it leads us towards action, but guilt isn't going to help us any. And so what David writes as he closes that prayer up, he says, lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Don't just show me these things I'm going to say, but actually show me the steps that I need to take to move forward. To, to know where the problem is but not take any steps to fix it is destructive, it's crazy. And if you are married and your husband has ever tried to fix a problem before you even finish telling him, husbands, I'm not giving you an excuse. The way that you fix that problem is you just sit and listen with your wife. But when it comes to things of the spiritual life, it's not about just listening so that you know the problem. It is about taking action. It is about making changes. It is, as we talked about last week, not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. And so as we pray, search me, search my anxious thoughts. Whatever you discover as, you, as God speaks to you, there, there are areas that you need Christ in your life and where you need to allow him to work. And as we hear this, man, it, it might sound like, geez, who would want to bring all of that like worry and change into their life? And it might sound strange. But what we've discovered is the closer we get to God, the closer we live to his standard, the more joy, the more love, the more peace just flows into our life. The message of Christianity it calls us to live a life that is constantly growing and constantly maturing. The message of Christianity isn't that Christ came and he died so that you could have eternal life. That, that is a very limited view. The message of Christianity is that he came and he lived the perfect life so that he could offer you not just eternal life, he does, but an abundant life here on earth. A life where you hear his voice 
And I say offer to you because there's a reality that even at the beginning of your relationship with God, there's a choice that you have to make of saying yes. And that yes is the start of many other yeses. Because your heavenly Father loves you too much to leave you in the condition that you found him in. You know, my son Anthony, he right now, he's three, he looks at me and he thinks that I can fix anything. I know 10 years, I won't know how to fix anything at all in his eyes. But right now he looks and he says, my dad can fix everything. It's not true. I'll tell you what, my heavenly father, he does know how to fix everything. He does look at your situation and he knows exactly what the heart of the issue is. And he loves you so much that as you ask him, he will show you what's going on. And he will lead you through that situation. He will lead you to the family that you want to have. He will lead you to the marriage that you want to have. He will lead you to be the person you need to be. But you have to make a choice. You have to open your heart. You have to open your mind. You have to say, God, search me. Know me. Know my anxious thoughts. If there's any offensive way in me, show it to me and lead me way that is everlasting. Let's pray. God, it can be a little scary to step towards you and say, show me what's going on in my heart. But today in this place, we know that what you have for us in the future is better than what we are trying to create for ourselves. And so Lord, search us, know us, know our anxieties, Show us how we can walk in your way. Show us how we can grow and change so that we can experience all that you have for us and so that we can see your kingdom built here in this city. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for the opportunity you've placed in front of us today.